the Wayne Ayers Podcast. The Wayne Ayers Podcast. Woohoo! Time to wake your ass up for a blessed day. What up, everybody? Uh, this is the Wayne Ayers Podcast. I don't know what episode this is. I think it's 34. I don't know. Anybody that's watching those, you guys are the real MVPs. Um, have a special guest on this on time, you know, Elizabeth Lamarex. No, it's kidding. Elizabeth Lamarou, what's up? I totally expected that to happen. I just had to. Every time. How you doing today? You know, I'm alive and well, so we're good. <laughs> where, where to, how has life been treating you? How has life been treating you? Uh, it's been busy. A she's lot like, going on. She's like, I'm nervous. I've never done this before. I've never done this before. <laughs> oh yeah, I was God. expecting like a script to follow or something like that, you know? <laughs> this is not acting, would you? <laughs> you did the acting class or something? Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, get into Hollywood. I thought this was, you know, my first step. Oh, snap. I'm I mean, hopefully, hopefully somebody, you know, listens to you and gives you an opportunity to, I don't know, what you were trying to do. <laughs> 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 but, yeah. Definitely, you know, a voice actor. If, if you guys don't know, um, Elizabeth is my, um, what was good, protege. That's how it is. Yikes. <laughs> in what aspect have I followed your footsteps? Um, you know, I don't know. I just felt like saying that. I just felt like a, a cool thing to say. No, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah. Elizabeth's like one of the um, goats from Bremerton, um, you know, my hometown. I think everybody kind of knows at this point. But, you know, she knows she's doing her thing, you know, registered nurse and everything and killing it. Why am I covering the mic? But, um yeah, go ahead. Let's. Can you talk about yourself? I don't know why. I'm, go talk, ahead, about talk about myself. Your, yeah, let's well, talk. You know, just I'm kind of in love with myself, so it's really easy to do that. So. I mean, like, really, just goes and <laughs> go into <laughs> like, um, like Bermington and then to now. Well, that's kind of like played, but you know what I'm saying. Just talk about yourself, <laughs> like, explain like what you like your journey and then, um, yeah. My journey. So I guess probably started with, you know, R.A. Atkins, <laughs> the main goal. Okay, not like that. I mean, like, I mean, you can shout out to Coach Atkins, you know. Uh, Always. You know, uh, guys, let's just shout him out real quick before he makes it. Like, oh, you just shout about, about Shout out to Coach Atkins, one of the greatest fitness trainers of all time. If you are not watching Tim, go and link up with Tim. He'll get you right. I need to go link up with him. But anyway, I mean, like, <laughs> Liz, you know what I mean? God, bro. Man, but like he's the beginning. Got me into, I mean, I was already, you know, Mountain View Middle School basketball, you know. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's just get, forget Burger Tip for a second. Yes. Yeah, let's, let's just go from not, no sports related, really, just your career. Let's just go into your career. <laughs> My career. Um, so basically, I got my degree uh, in biology, and then a couple months later, enrolled into an accelerated nursing program in St. Louis, and then, you know, graduated top of the class, you know, per usual, and then 
<laughs> and they got this a really dark a job. slight flex right there just try to put a light flex in there but okay i mean right. you know the flex is the third degree at 21 but you know i was gonna let oh, okay. that slide wow but, so uh, try to flex on the podcast before <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I got a really dope ICU job at a really good hospital called Barnes Jewish Hospital out in St. Louis and uh, worked there for a year and now I'm on my way to be a travel nurse um, the ICUs at um, Yale University Hospital Yale University so what made you want to go to nursing? Uh, well the big plan I guess uh being just a nurse is a baby step to the bigger plan of being you know a CRNA and sitting at the head of the bed in the OR you know for people who don't know what that is what is that what is that so it's a, a nurse anesthetist and basically uh I have the skill level of an anesthesiologist just a different route to get to the same result essentially so what's like your ultimate goal uh, my ultimate goal, I would say, is to eventually open my own practice with hopefully another CRNA. You know, I don't really want to open it with surgeons, but, you know, if I find some good ones, I might. <laughs> okay. And then hire some surgeons and do some some type of private practice and just kind of run things like that. Okay, 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 okay. Is there anything else you, like, want to do besides... Like in your mm-hmm. let's say like what's like something you really want to accomplish in the next year? I would say I really I just wanna accomplish being able to set my own schedule and being able to just kinda wake up and decide what I wanna do that day and not be told that I have to do this or I have to do that to maintain my lifestyle. So she's like, I don't want to do any more overnight. Okay, I got it. That's, that's, that's what she <laughs> no, that's what I don't want to go much... into work and have to put that's... more people in body bags. So, you know, okay. private practice and doing <laughs> cosmetic surgery sounds like the way to go to me. So how many people have you saved during your time? Saved in my time? I mean, you know, that's hard to say, like. Like an estimate, like three million. Uh, no, I'm just three million. Like thirty. Like 30, 40, 20. 30, 40. I mean, I usually have. <clears throat> I've been working like what five, six days a week. I have two patients on any given night, so I mean, probably you know a few hundred. You know, five, okay. Six. Over here saving life, that's important, you know. That's that's a very important job, you know. Not yeah. everybody can do that. Okay. It's rewarding uh, for the most part. <laughs> so um let's just get into it. Like, what are your thoughts about COVID? Kind of it's been crazy and everything. Like, what's your whole thoughts about like COVID so far? My thoughts about COVID. Well, I'm on the medical ICU, so we are technically the COVID ICU at my hospital. So I think <laughs> I don't think I know that, you know, COVID is very real. It's not just the flu, like some people think. It's not fake. It's It really messes with people on a scale that hasn't really been seen in medicine before, which is why at the beginning it was so hard to really understand what was going on because we didn't really understand the virus and disease at all. And then once we kind of started to look more 
into it and understand how to actually help people you know people were actually getting off of the ventilator and like being able to you know get out of the icu alive and not you know through the morgue so for anyone that doesn't think COVID is real i'd say how can you say something's real when you've got hundreds of thousands of people dying from it just because it didn't affect you or it wasn't that bad for you doesn't mean the person next to you didn't lose their mom or their daughter or someone in their family from it. And I say that we all just need to show some more compassion for each other and stop thinking that everything is out there to get us. Like it's all government conspiracy. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Oh, dang. Okay. She told pretty much everybody out there. But uh, what do you think about people in the, um, like, like don't, don't want to get vaccinated? Like, because like, I mean, let's the say, like, it's their you know, body like, and their choice. But, you know, for every action we take, there's always consequences. And if you don't want to do it, I mean, that's cool. But just take a look at when you were born. Didn't you have to have vaccines to go to school? Didn't yeah, they the, do? The wasn't isn't this basically? If you look back to the pandemic in the early 1900s, like if you look back, they did the same thing. They had the vaccine cards, they had the mask mandates, they had the requirement of the vaccine. And if we really were taught history and we really knew about history, we would see that really it's just repeating itself a century later. Okay, okay, okay. My bad. I thought you would keep going, uh, but <laughs> no, no, my bad. Uh, what do you like? What do you like? What vaccine do you like recommend people to take that like that are kind of scared to happen in their bodies and everything? I'm not gonna. Yeah. I, was like one, I was one of those people at a point. I was like, man, I don't trust these motherfuckers. But like, you know, I eventually got the um, Moderna twice. Like, so what are you? What do, what vaccine do you recommend people to take? Okay, I heard like Pfizer had like blood clots and all this stuff. Now I'm like, you know, there's some <laughs> things out there. Like, all right, should I take this or should I not? But like, what what do you recommend people to take? So I personally have the Moderna as well. It was the one that was provided by my hospital. They did require the vaccine. Um, and I'm honestly totally for that. In healthcare, you have to have every other vaccine and you have to get the flu vaccine every year anyways. So I'm not really sure why people thought it was a big deal that they required just another vaccine. And it's an MRA vaccine. There's, They've been doing studies and research on it. And they've been... You know, it's not just something that came up out of the blue from COVID. Like they've like there's been decades of research going into this beforehand. Uh, So, like, honestly, I would recommend just talking to your like primary care doctor. And I know, unfortunately, the way that healthcare is set up in America, not everyone has the abilities to like see a primary care doctor or doesn't have one or, you know, they just they can't afford to go. And you can honestly just go to any urgent care clinic and talk to somebody and they're going to be a professional. And hopefully, you know, in some states and some parts of the United States, um, people give you not their opinion, but like professionally what they should be giving you instead of saying like, because of course there are, you know, physicians and medical health care workers that they don't work with COVID directly so they might not think that it's like a real thing even though if you ask anyone that has directly worked with worked with people who have COVID like they would be like get that vaccine because all of the symptoms that people are having with the vaccine right like they're having 
you know, chest pains or they're getting blood clots or they're having like cardiomyopathy and stuff like that. All of that is worse when you get COVID. So basically all the symptoms that people are getting are just symptoms that are less severe than what you would get with a severe case of COVID. So, I mean, for anyone that's like not thinking about getting it, I would honestly just think like, would you rather risk getting the likelihood of getting, you know, a mild, you know, side effect of this versus you end up with a really bad strain of COVID or COVID really affects you because, you know, you have this, this and that and you end up in the hospital on a ventilator. Like, you know, I've seen 20 year olds that are intubated. So they have a tube down their throat. I've seen them get put on ECMO, which is basically a last resort for when your body just can't do anything. Like all of your organs are failing and you have two like hose-sized tubes hooked up to your body, you know, in your blood, just like half your blood's damn near out of your body in a machine. 20-year-olds, like, it doesn't, it, it affects everyone. Do you know, do you have, like, uh, you're in the hospital all the time, like, is there, like, a, like, that, is there, like, a certain rates that people, like, I don't know how I want to say this, but, uh, <laughs> my bad, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think how to phrase this, but, um, like, you know, when people with vaccines, they come in there and have COVID and then like people with COVID that don't yeah. have, that, that vaccinated, like, what is like the rates, like, is it like, are they are more just dying that way or, or just? So I, I can, honestly, I work with COVID, I'm on the COVID ICU, so I honestly don't look into other hospitals, like statistics, like I haven't taken the time I haven't taken my free time to look up COVID statistics so I can only go off of what I have personally seen in my ICU. And I do want to acknowledge that the ICU I'm in is one the biggest ICU. Like we're the biggest hospital system in Missouri. We're the number one hospital in Missouri, 17th in the you know US. So we get a lot of sick patients. Like, yes, we absolutely get like the sickest of the sick up there. So I do recognize that. But from what I have seen in my ICU, it's people who are unvaccinated who are in there. And the people that are vaccinated are immunocompromised, meaning they've had something go on in their life where they've had a transplant or they just, for some reason, are requiring medicine that compromises their immune system to make it so they really don't have any, whether it be chemo or the transplant or something like that. So those are the people who are vaccinated that we're seeing. I personally have not seen somebody who is vaccinated, full, like fully vaccinated and like otherwise healthy really in the ICU that's been serious. Like I've seen maybe one or two people that have gotten their shots and have like some other comorbidities like COPD or interstitial lung disease or just something else that another organ in their body that makes it so they have to be in the ICU for a little bit, but they're not intubated. They're not paralyzed and like put on their belly, which is what we do when like you're not oxygenating enough and you know, you have like, we need to figure out a way, like we put you, like we sedate you. And for the most part, we paralyze you and put you on your belly to allow the other side of your lungs to open up and 
you know, better oxygenate you. So, like, we don't do that with the people. Like, we don't get the people in the ICU that are vaccinated. For oh, real. Jesus. Um, I don't even know what to say that. That's just sad. That's, okay. <laughs> That's just sad. As yeah, well. it's very sad. It's been a very hard year. Uh, and there's people, like, I've been doing this for a year and some odd months in the COVID ICU, and then there's other nurses and physicians and respiratory therapists and, you know, that have been doing it since the beginning. And so they like, are just burned okay. out. So, like, how do you, like, deal with, like, with, like, your mental health? Cause I know there's, like, a lot of healthcare workers <laughs> that can't really just, like, take it and everything. Like, how do, do, do you, like, have anything at your hospital that is, like, like, you go talk to anybody or... Because it's just a lot of dead bodies popping up and then, you know, it's kind of like that's just traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I actually found a lot of support. Um, one of the chaplains there who is frequently on night shift, um, when he would come around, I would frequently have like conversations, just kind of talking about things. Um, so I found that it like helps to talk um, to people that understand. For the most part, you know, it's very hard, like, if anyone has anyone in healthcare that's working directly with COVID, uh, I would just offer help or support in any way that you can. It's, it's very hard for someone that's not in the health industry, like, healthcare industry to understand really what we're going through, and a lot of us don't really want to put that on people, too, because if, like, we told you the things we see and the things we have to do, it's very... Like, you have to grow a thick skin for it. It's it's very hard to do and get, you sadly get used to it. But you always get that, you know, one or two that really hits you. If you don't mind, you don't have to if you don't want to. But um, can you, like, describe, like, what are some things you see? So people kind of, like, just, like, okay. Because, like, honestly, I'm, like, one of the people, I'm one of those people that don't understand because I'm not in the hospital. If you're not in the hospital every day, you're not really going to understand. And then you just see a bunch of healthcare workers out. So you kind of see, like, damn, something's really going on. But if you don't want to answer it, it's cool. Don't, don't even. Yeah. I mean, you just, you see it all. You see, like, even when I was a student, I was working, at, like, in my last semester, I was in the ED as a student nurse. And, like, I saw multiple gunshot wounds come in and, like, people either getting shot or, like, trying to commit suicide. I saw just a lot of like domestic abuse and just like a lot of people who are addicted to drugs and like stuff like that. And then working with COVID, you just see, like I've seen families die, like grandma, mom, dad, like all in the ICU. Like we had this one family and they was just like, there was three of them and just one week after the other, like they all just passed because we couldn't like do anything else. So like we see a lot, like being a nurse, you get a little more, uh, I wouldn't say like attached, but you get a better feel for the family. You're at bedside with the patient more. We are allowing family to visit at this time. So, like, you get to know the patient better. You get to know the family better. Not to say that, you know, physicians and stuff don't, but the patient load is different. So, for nurses in the ICU, like, I have two patients, 
and in the ICU, like they're pretty sick, so they keep me busy. But you know, only having two, you get to know them pretty well. And then like, it's just it's really hard when you do get to know them and you get to know their family. And then you do everything that you can and it's still not enough. You know, you just kind of go home after that last shift. It's like really defeated. And like, for me, what really got me like recently was like, I had a patient who had children, like young children. And just like hearing the children talk to this patient while they were on the vent, like we were about to withdraw support and let them go peacefully, like, that was kind of like my breaking point a little bit was hearing the children like on FaceTime, not even in the room. And so um, you just kind of have to figure out how to cope with those kind of things. And it's like, you don't know these people, but you get to know them quickly. And, you know, even though I didn't know them for my whole life, I only knew them for like three, four days. It still hurts to know that like they're gone. Like, you don't really understand it until like (laughs) you're listening to Britney Spears with them because that's their favorite kind of, you know, they just wanted to listen to it and jam out while, you know, you're helping them with a bath or like stuff like that. And then they pass a few days later and then you're in the gym and you hear a Britney song and you just break down. You know what I mean? Like it's just stuff like that, that like healthcare, like especially in the ICU and critical care areas that you just see, it feels like on like, and every other week, you know, basis almost. Um, shit. <laughs> no, no, like, I don't even know what to say. Like, honestly, that's just like we just yeah, it's hard. stuff. But like, that's really sad. That's like you're. It kind of feels like you're just like starting to meet somebody and you're learning them, and then it's, it's just gone. I don't. Yeah, that's just. Wow. Oh, damn. It, um, it takes a while to like get like through it but you learn the ways like you learn quickly the ways that like you cope best i don't even know where to go from there um it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just, my bad it would be okay um, like healthcare uh, workers we talk about this stuff all the time like we have like people hear the things we talk about and they're like, oh, my God, how can you guys joke about stuff like that? And it's like, well, we kind of have to have a dark sense of humor to kind of work through it. Like, yeah, it sounds bad, but, like, we actually live through that. Like, we actually have to go through that. So us so joking like, about it isn't, like, what, joking. What stops you from going on, like, a, a year of vacation? I would probably just go on a year for, I can do that. Like. <sighs> Sometimes I go home from my job and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And then other days I go home and I feel great because I had a great day and I feel like I really helped people and I, I made a difference. So it's, it's that feeling of I helped somebody when they needed it today that keeps me like wanting to go back and wanting to help more people. That's good. Oh, uh, damn. Uh, that's that's going to be trippy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, this is the first guest that got be trippy on the podcast. Um, Sue, what do you want to talk about? I'm going to try to change the subject for a little bit. Uh, what do you want to talk about? I mean, you know, it's not 
it might not necessarily be my place to talk about it, but you know, anytime you're talking about the medical system, I think we also need to bring up the fact that there's still a huge amount of racism in medicine and within like, especially nurses, like they gatekeep so many of the specialty ICUs from a lot of, you know, people of color. And I think that it's not talked about enough. And there's a lot of good people like nurses that are having those conversations on social media and they're making people more aware of their biases and they're just having the conversations that we need to have more. So I feel like anytime, I feel like since I have a spotlight, you know, you have to share that spotlight. What do you mean by gatekeeping? Like like holding with medicine from somebody or like, what do you mean by that? No, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, like, you know, me, I'm a white nurse in an ICU in my ICU, we're staffed with, you know, we're supposed to be staffed with 160 people. Right now, we maybe have 50. So we have tons of travelers. Of our staff, the majority of us are white women. There is probably a handful, you know, of black women and a handful of like Filipino or Latin or Asian women, like Asian people. Um, and so like, if you think about that, so we say like, let's say like maybe like 10, 10 people of 50 people are people of color and then the other 40 are white women. And so that's what I mean about gatekeeping kind of like the ICUs and like labor and delivery and like, they're not allowing the people who seem like they have any kind of ethnic ethnicity to them into those like settings. So how do you think like that, like how that's the stuff? Cause I know like some people like they would feel like comfortable, like with somebody they can relate to in the hospital. So how do you think like you could like, like, well, not you personally, but like how do you think like the healthcare system can tackle that? Um, I think we just need to have those conversations more and people need to be aware of their biases. I don't think enough people are told like, hey, have you noticed your telling you know certain like they I'm speaking like from my experience and I'm also like bringing in like things that I've seen other nurses post on social media like I follow a lot of nurse platforms and there are a lot of nurses that have like posted other people's things like just the other day I was reading a bunch of like Instagram DMs about different nurses who are part of you know, the community say that they were denied a job, even though they were qualified for it. But they picked, you know, either a white nurse that was less qualified, or a white nurse that was a new grad. So like, they're essentially like keeping, you know, nurses of color on the floors instead of in the specialty ICUs. Because once you're in the specialty ICUs, you have some more options for, you know, post-education. Like if you want to get like a master's or like, you know, a CRNA, they're like gatekeeping those opportunities. Is there any like organizations that like, you know of that like helps, like let's say like somebody wanted to reach out to like a certain organization to like learn more or even to help out? Is there any like thing like that or no? Honestly, I don't, but um, there's a few people on Instagram like, um, Aisha CRNA or like the unicorn nurse RN like they're like two really great examples of like black nurses that bring to light like hey you know I'm saying all this stuff 
And if, you know, you feel some type of way about it, like, you're probably a part of the problem. <laughs> like, you probably aren't asking the right questions or you're not being honest with yourself. And so um, I think if anyone really knew how to guide that, I feel like those two would have the better answers than I would have. Okay, okay. You, do you know they're, like, ads at Instagram? Just in case anybody wants No, yeah, yeah, that's their ads. It's uh, oh, I see CRNA, CRNA, CRNA and then okay. at uh, the Nurse Unicorn RN. Okay, okay. Or the Unicorn Nurse RN. One of those, like, two. Gotta go check them out. Good luck, Sunday. That's good to hear. Um, so what's up, man? I haven't talked to you in a while. Well, yeah. no, I talked to you the other day. Um, <laughs> so you got any planned vacations going on or anything? Yeah, I got a girls' trip. Uh, we're going to Rio. I see I wasn't invited, but it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> just slightly salty about that. Yeah, there's a group of like eight of us that are, you know, we're just, we're all, most of us are nurses. Um, a few of them, you know, do some other things, but really we're just going to have a great time and enjoy the company of other women in Rio on the beach. Are you going to look into um, being a travel nurse out in Rio? Um, no, I'll probably stay stateside. Um, I think it's already complicated enough for me to try and figure out travel nursing here. I couldn't imagine trying to do that and learn a new language and try to, you know, for me, that's just not where my heart is at. But uh, for the people that do that and for all the nurses that are coming into the United States, taking on that role, like, I think it's amazing and you know, dope of them to do that. Because that's you a scary-ass job. <laughs> you, you wouldn't want to learn how to speak Portuguese? Oh, I would definitely want to learn. It's just for the plans I have set for myself right now, that's not really in the schedule. So when do you see yourself starting your own practice? So I would have to uh, go to school first. So ideally, I'll be in school in the next year or two. And then I'll be in school for three years. And then, you know, three to five years. So maybe like, 10 to 12 years. Oh, what? Yeah. You said, how long you'll be in school for? Three years. For my doctor. And then, and then you said five years or something? Oh, five, you said, oh. Three or five okay. years after that. Oh, okay. I was thinking totally. Tempt- I thought you said you're going to go to school for three years and then you're going to go to school for another five. I said, what are you on, yo? No. <laughs> so, so, like, what makes you be like, what makes you like want to go to school? Well, of course, you have to be a nurse, but what made you like really like stay in school for the people that don't? <laughs> or people that compromise, like, compromise, like, Nick, should I stay in school and stuff like that? Like, what, what made you really like push through it? Um, I don't know. I've just always. You like, if I got to start something, I got to finish it, huh? Yeah. You know, when I I start a plan, I usually follow through, or if something better comes along, you know, I alter it, but... Oh, yeah. I enjoy school and learning, so, you know, school was always kind of enjoyable. What was, like, your favorite subject? Or what was your least favorite subject? Honestly, I hated, like, chemistry and biology in high school, and then got a whole biology degree. (laughs) Like... That shit was so weird to me. So you have a degree in the subject you hate the most? Well, I did until I got to college. And then I really started to enjoy the challenge of it. Like, I think in high school, I was more focused on 
I want to play sports and, you know, I just want to have a good GPA to go to college to hopefully play sports. And then when I got to college and like was taking the classes, I was like, wow, these classes are kind of difficult, but they're so a fun difficult. So you're saying Burlington High School has terrible education. Hey, you know, don't put words into my mouth like that. <laughs> No, for you're really saying that, though. <laughs> no, I mean, I went there for two years. You know, I, I think I got a solid start. Oh, oh God. <laughs> I might not drop the video for this one. Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, yo, I don't even know what to say. Okay, so actually, let's get into Burlington since you got there, the nursing and hospitals let's just go let's get into it um you already mentioned coach Atkins the GOAT uh do you want to talk about your varsity basketball team at Bremerton or no no I'm asking you I mean we can pass on that one there's not really much to talk about um you know you're a track star too Liz okay no Liz we got we talking about you what you want to get into yo Man, I don't really want to. I you mean, didn't... that was fun and all, but you know, I wasn't really that good. I was kind of, you know, I had fun with everything, and you know, I was decent at everything, but I was never really great at any of them. <laughs> well, damn. Okay. Uh, what about college life? How is college? What What are your advice for college students right now? Uh, go to community college if you want. <laughs> Like, it's, there's nothing wrong with going to community college. You know, you don't have to go straight to a university. You can get that, you know, first two years done and save tens of thousands. And honestly, forget the, you know, college name because that shit doesn't matter. <laughs> Once you get that degree, it doesn't matter if you went to this state university or that state university or, you know, all they want to know is did you get the degree did you have an internship at some place? And can we teach you how to actually do your job? <laughs> That's also fast. Like coming from like uh, a boss perspective, like I do not care what college you come from. Actually, I don't even care if you went to college. I really care if you know how to do yeah. the work that needs to be done. So, yeah. Like really, it's just can you, you know, do you have a work ethic? Are you going to be productive for the company? Do you come like, you just gotta make. You have to sell yourself to these jobs. <laughs> like if, in the interviews, you have to sell yourself. Like you gotta make them want you. And if they gotta pick between you and your state college and somebody who went to Yale, but you had a better interview, they're gonna choose you with a better interview because they're not gonna give a fuck about that Yale degree. So, like, what was like your um, like interview like? Like, pretend like we're doing an interview to work at. Um, Wayne Ayers Hospital. You know, I had to put myself in there. <laughs> you would, you would. <laughs> I had to put myself in there. What was like? What was your interview like? What, what kind? What for? Like people that are like about to apply to be like nurses or anything. Like what? Are, like what was like? What are some questions you heard? Yeah, um, it was a while ago, but like it wasn't a while ago. Liz, you're only like twelve years old. Like, come on, man, you're not. It wasn't a while. You're right. Ago. I'm just a super genius. No, I'm just yes. <laughs> um. There was, like, uh, they had, like, give me, it was a bunch of, like, situational stuff. So, like, you know, I had a job at 16, so I had some job experience at that point. Um, 
so you know they would ask like oh like how how do you handle like juggling multiple tasks and like how like if you like give me a time when you were in this situation and you had to come up with a solution or like situational stuff like that like how would you respond to a situation that you're uncomfortable with or you know they asked like some diversity questions like I remember them asking like give me it like they were like give me a time when uh you face a challenge with someone else that was from a different you know religion background or something like that from you like and they basically just wanted to know like can you problem solve with people who weren't brought up the same way you were brought up essentially like just kind of like stuff like that but a lot of like situational how would you do this or when have you done that kind of questions there's was there like anything like did they give you like a practice station like okay this is what this is or i mean like not like this is what this is but like okay, you got to know, like, these certain things just for, like, the patients or? No, so, like, um, when you start as a new nurse, uh, my orientation was 16 weeks. So for 16 weeks, I was, like, working with another nurse, and they were teaching me, like, everything that I needed to know. Oh, so do so you didn't even have to go to college to be a nurse then? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I want to put that out there. I mean... You, you know? gotta know like the base. Oh, knowledge. I was just saying. I was just saying. You definitely have to know the base knowledge because you can't go in there not knowing anything, you know. But like, you definitely learn like school. Nursing school teaches you to be a nurse, not to be like a specialty nurse or um like that kind of stuff. So like, I learned the basics of nursing, and then when you get to the unit they teach you like how they do things like the policies of the hospital policies of the unit like how to work with like every every ICU is different so like a cardiac ICU is going to use different drugs um they're going to have different uh, machines they're going to have different equipment like stuff like that than a medical ICU or a neuro ICU so when you go to each ICU, you have to know the equipment. My, you have to know my the bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. I'm sorry. What is what's the what's the difference between those two? Like, I have no idea. Like so, like neuro. cardiac ICU, you're gonna get like your heart right. attacks or like your ECMO or like open heart surgeries, and like medical ICU, you're gonna get like your chronic diseases, like the DKAs or the COPDers or like the liver failures or you know kidney failure, dialysis patients, like stuff like that. And then neuro, you're going to get all like your brain bleeds and like stuff like that. Like brain oh. surgery stuff. Okay. So like each ICU has their own like specific group of patients that they get. So you have to be oriented and knowledgeable on the patients that you get. If you could work in like, in one, like a different ICU, which one would you work in? Mm -hmm. I think uh, I think I would enjoy cardiac, but um, I wow. like I like medical because medical ICU is good because they got so many things going on <laughs> and it's all chronic stuff and they're just they're usually sick like when you've got a chronic disease and then you're finally in the ICU like you're usually there because you're like sick but um, cardiac would be fun but they're very like textbook for the most part like open heart surgery you get done with open heart surgery within 12 hours you're like extubated and walking around and like stuff like that 
12, after, 12 hours after open heart surgery? Yeah. They, like, want, want, so you get the blood flowing and stuff like that? Or what yeah. Do I mean, I don't, I haven't worked on a cardiac ICU, so I can't really say like specifically for what, but yeah, like they, like within 12 hours, like they want you like extubated and up like, walking around and like doing stuff. What was like the best piece of advice you received while like you're during your 16 weeks of orientation? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't. Um, She's like, they just threw me in there with the wolves. No, they didn't. I actually, they didn't. It also helped that I was a student on the ICU as well. So I was already familiar before I got in there. Um, I guess it would be to just ask questions like, doesn't matter if it's a dumb fucking question if it's something you've done a hundred times like if you have a question ask it because at the end of the day if you're not a hundred percent sure in what you're doing then you could hurt somebody like you could that's kill true. somebody that's true that's true so what was, what was like was there ever like during like your orientation was there ever a time like you were like hella nervous about like saying like a person circumstances or anything like like, did you ever make a like, mistake? You're like, oh, shit, I might have just, like, fucked up, like, everything. Like, or were you just nothing? Um, I can't say I've had, like, let me knock on some wood. I don't even want to say that. Okay, no. but <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I mean, like, nothing, like, nothing, like, probably something you didn't know about. And it was, like, you know, something that you thought would be, like, a big-ass, like, deal, but it was totally fine. Like, was there ever something like that you didn't? Mm, no not really i mean i was taught like i was i was i was taught pretty well and i kind of had i went to school with the greats she's like i went to the school with the greats no i just i never did anything i wasn't sure about i still don't do like if i have a question i'm gonna ask it even if it's a dumb question or you know i'm just i know what i know and the things i don't know i ask so I'm gonna put you on the spot just in case some of your coworkers, you know, hear the podcast. They probably won't, but they do. Um, <laughs> who are like your top five coworkers to work with? My top five coworkers. <laughs> Honestly, a lot of the travel nurses, I um, they pretty much all like you know they rotate out. Uh, Liz, but I've had Liz, you really can't dodge the question. I, I need some names. Okay. I need some um, names. Okay, I got Kyle, who is a travel nurse. Shakia, she's really dope, a good friend of mine. Um, <clears throat> Haley is a good person, a good nurse. Uh, Caitlin, when she works nights, you know, we had some fun. I don't know why she really mentioned the names. I thought. <laughs> I mean, if they listen to this, they listen to it. But you know. Okay, so since since we're on the bets, let's just go to the worst. Who's the five worst coworkers here? <laughs> On that one, on that note, you know, I gotta go. <laughs> Can you get like one name? No, I can't even do that. She's like, she's the like nursing community is so small that, you know, you don't no, end up with a right to in the butt. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with What's like, uh, what's like, uh, what do nurses do like after work? Like, do you guys, like, say like a day off? Like, what do you guys be doing? Do you guys like link up and do stuff? Like, go day by uh, Like, I know on night shift, like, we'll go out to breakfast a lot. Like, we'll get a group of us and we'll go out to breakfast because, you know, we get off. It's like 730 in the morning. So, you know, brunch right around the corner. Uh, so, like, I know that was a big thing with like a big group of us was to go out to breakfast. 
Um, sometimes with day shift, they'll go out for drinks after work. But honestly, like on my days off, I sleep. <laughs> I sleep. I catch up on like the cleaning I need to do. I go to the gym. Just kind of like, you know, just get back. You don't into, watch like, Attack on Titan, but that's cool. That's one thing she don't watch is Attack on Titan. Hey, you know, I just need to watch the latest season. I'm not back behind. You really wait for English dub to come out. You know, I just can't read fast enough. I'll own up to that. It's not it's not that hard to read. I'm about to watch it tomorrow since my guy's not playing the Super Bowl. But it's okay. He's not paying in any more Super Bowl. I think he's coming back. He's uh, not. I think he's coming back. He said 45. Man. I, I, think, I think Giselle will let him out of the doghouse. I think Giselle wants him to stay in his butthole. Of course he does, but he don't want to watch those kids. He want to go through the football. <laughs> he said, fuck them kids. <laughs> yeah, if Tom Brady ever watches this, I'm sorry now. <laughs> you know, people will be bringing out old clips and stuff. Oh, wait said this is Hit him you up in 20 sure, years. I want to make sure y'all bring up this clip, too. No, I'm On his deathbed. <laughs> What are you what are you doing? What are you doing tomorrow? Are you like working tomorrow? No, I'm actually off for the next like week and a half, two weeks. Oh, snap. What are you about to do? Nothing. Um sleep? I I'm gonna, gonna study. <laughs> oh, okay. She said study. Yeah, I'm trying to take a certification this month. What is that? That it's a so like there's different certifications you can get. So I'm like I'm trying to get my critical care certification. What the hell is that? I mean, I'm sorry. It's just like know. a certification. It's just like a... What's like, it's like, what hey, do you I got like, this certification. I kind of know what the fuck I'm talking about. So it's not... So it's kind of like a, a degree? Not sort of, but like... So I mean, I certain? get... Like, it, it just it just looks good. Like it, it mean, like, it means like you went out of your way to dig deep into like knowledge about every like all these things and take an exam and pass the exam. And it's like a really hard exam. So what's like the exam about? Like on critical care stuff. So like you, you get questions from like every aspect of critical care, like ED critical care, you know, neurocardiac, like all the systems, like stuff like that. So you just like, you get so used to knowing what, you know, like being in like a, like pulmonary medical ICU, like you get, you get used to, to like the way you do things and the way your hospital does things. And then, you know, when you take this exam, you have to learn, like, you have to just like re go through everything and kind of like relearn everything that you forgot about other ICUs. Cause like you don't use it. Oh yeah. I forgot to ask you this. I don't know why my bad It's off topic. Well, it's kind of not off topic, whatever. I don't know. This podcast to be all over the place sometimes, but uh, what are your like thoughts about like uh, America's like healthcare system? Like, or like even like the government and all that stuff. Like do you like I know like nurses are underpaid, so are teachers and everything. But like if you go look up overseas and stuff, like it seems like stuff is better over there in those departments. Yeah, so I think it's it's weird. I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day and they brought up some like points that like hospitals are run by investors. Like people invest in the hospital systems and they expect to get a return, right? So, like, at the end of the day, the hospitals do what they can to give their investors the return they want so that they keep investing into the hospital, which is, and, like, it's just a weird system that we have. Like, the reason that nurses pay doesn't go up as much as it should is because there's so many people in nursing schools that 
they every cycle of a semester they can just hire hundreds of new nurses instead of paying the experienced ones to stay so like there's just like different avenues of it that kind of just like we just kind of created like a really bad system how do you think like what should we like how do you think we can go about like changing that like i honestly have no idea Liz, come on, man. We need answers. I know. I You're supposed to that. have the answers, Sway. You ain't Sway. <laughs> You're supposed to have the answers. No, it's okay. Um, but no, like, I want to I want to kind of, like, know. Do you know anybody from, like, a, that came over from another country? And, like, I was like, yo, this is kind of different how it. Like, no, actually. Um, like, I know a few respiratory therapists that are, like, from, like, India and stuff like that. And they go back home sometimes. Uh, shout out to Raj and Omana. They have my heart. Um, but I don't think they practiced over there. I think they got their degrees here. Okay. So, like, what do you, like, do you think we should just get rid of the entire Vester thing? Or should it be, like, government? Or, I don't know. How I mean, but how do you switch that over is the problem. Yeah, I feel like a couple of Like, hospitals. how do you switch everything over that. from being investor-based to then the government runs it? And then when the government runs it, runs things, they kind of just do a shit job. I mean, look at our hey, education. She's going, she's going out to the government <laughs> on the Wayne's podcast. Ugh, we're definitely getting shut down this year. <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely not getting. I mean, yeah, um, you see how education's going. I could only imagine that if the government were to take over, you know, you probably go to shit. So, like, is there any way you guys would, like, do, like, nurses have a union? So, there's, like, some hospitals that do. California is the only state that's unionized. California is also the only state that requires safe staffing ratios. So, like, patient-to-nurse ratios. Like, California is the only state that says, hey, you cannot have a nurse have more than these amount of patients for this kind of, like, level of care. No other state does that. So what, like, what's like the ratio of, like, for you guys? So like at my ICU, it's, you know, one nurse to two patients. But, you know, with the pandemic and with short staffing, like there are ICU nurses out there taking on four patients and that's not safe at all. <laughs> like four ICU level, like intubated patients. And that's just unsafe for everybody. Like there's just no way in you have time to adequately take care of those patients but yeah so like, what kind of laws do you want to see like made for like help like health workers out universally um i definitely want to see like them require like you cannot have like they, every state needs to have staffing ratios and i don't think that everyone needs a union you know like, unions work for some people and unions don't work for others. Like, you know, it just kind of depends. Like, everything has its good and bad. And you just kind of have to figure out what works best for you. But um, definitely safe staffing ratios. And just, I don't even know what else. They're just So is this, so like, one of the reasons why you want to start your own practice? Because it seems like shit is mad complicated. Yeah, like. Like in the. The things we have to deal with, like a lot of hospitals, like if the patient hits you, like you can't do anything. 
So, like, if someone were to be in the ICU and then just punch me in the face, they would be considered violent, and I could do, like, soft restraints on them. But, like, that's really it. Like, they don't get in trouble, like, with the law for the most part. Like, no police report is filed. But, like, if that same person came up to me on the street and punched me, I could, you know, do something about it. But, like, the hospitals don't do anything about it for the nurses. They don't do anything about them, you know, physically abusing them, verbally abusing them, like, family abusing the nurses. Like, they just don't care. (laughs) No, damn, y'all, they kind of, it sounds like y'all get treated like mad shit. Yeah, and that's why a lot of people get into nursing and then they leave nursing. Because they realize that the hospitals always try and put it on the nurses for things. And they're just kind of like over it. Or they're over being short-staffed all the time. Or they're over adding so many jobs onto the nurse and the nurse not getting more money. So, you know, like, I've had, like, if you ask any nurse who's been a nurse for 20-plus years if they would still go into nursing, like, if they were 20 years old today, would you still go into nursing? Like, 90% of them are going to tell you no. Are you one of those nurses? Not like it was. Would you still go into nursing if you had to redo everything? Yeah, I mean, I like my job, and I don't mind the busyness of it. I don't mind the busy charting. Like, the biggest thing for me that, like, morally, like, causes, like, me to think is, like, when you have a patient and, like, we have such advanced technology and we're so, like, we've gotten so good at keeping people alive that we honestly keep them alive past the point that they should be alive. Like, essentially, we can keep most people alive for a really long time, and we shouldn't. <laughs> Wait, what? Like, like for me, it's like when you have a patient and, like, you know their wishes were different. So, like, the patient didn't want to be on life support, but the moment they couldn't make that decision, the family was like, no, we want everything. So when the family changes the patient's decision, that bothers me. I'm like, how can we, like, they have legal documents and then we still have to go with the family's wishes. And stuff like that bothers me, like, morally. Stuff where, you know, a patient is brain dead. But the family doesn't want to withdraw or doesn't, well, I mean, if they're, like, actually brain dead. But, like, it that can be different. That's a whole thing in itself. Um, but, like, If you've got, you know, an 80, 90-year-old grandma or grandpa and, you know, they had a stroke or a heart attack or something and their quality of life is no longer, like, they wouldn't be able to go back home. You know what I mean? Like, they'd have to go to, like, a facility or they can no longer do things for themselves. And then, like, the family still wants to keep them alive. Things like that kind of morally bother me because I'm like, this person has lived their life. Yeah, they're going to spend their life miserable. Yeah, they went from being a fully functional 80-year-old to now they're totally dependent and it's no longer the life they were living. Like, I get, like, everybody, it's hard to make that decision and it's hard to lose family, but, like, it just seems selfish to keep somebody alive for the sake of them being alive when they can't do anything for themselves at that age. 
So like stuff like that kind of like morally bothers me. So you're going to a new you're going to a new hospital. Um, yeah. 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 So what like what are what are some things you want to see like from there that you, I mean not see but like um, I don't not change either. Yeah, I kind of suck at this phrase and shit. Oh. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, okay, like, let's say, like, want, like things you want to see from there that you didn't see from your previous hospital, like, like, standard-wise, um, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just mentioned, like, a patient could possibly hit you and take... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know. The, um, I, once I get there, I mean, I guess I'll know, but, like, as of right now, I don't know, like, how they handle those kind of situations and stuff like that. Like, every hospital has its own, like, subset of rules on like what like happens in that instance is it like a dream hospital you want to work for oh not really i mean you know i think it would still be fun to go to like the mayo clinics or the john hopkins and like stuff like that i mean you couldn't go wrong going to those places but i can't say i have a dream hospital i don't have a dream hospital I mean, <laughs> what is? I, I mean, it's like, do you have like a dream store you want to go to? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's just not really like a thing. A dream store? You have a dream store you want to go to? Yes. What? Ralph's grocery foods. What do you mean? I'm more of a Sprouts person. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I'm so sick of you. <laughs> uh, nah. But no, okay, okay. No, you well, want to go to Winko and get them fancy cakes. Facts. I actually went there when I was in Birmingham and I got fancy tea. You can't ask Darius because I was staying with him. But yeah. <laughs> they got uh, their yeah. fancy cakes. Uh-huh. <laughs> That shit slap. I fuck with fancy kids. I, I'm okay dying over fancy kids because I know <laughs> <laughs> those things are everything. I don't know who created them, but they deserve a pat on the back for uh, I respect who created them. Yeah, you need to find out and give them a shout out. I think for, uh, I'm gonna have them on the podcast. But, yeah, thank <laughs> you, thank you for making my life great. And I'm gonna just email them like, really? He's just trying to get free fancy cakes for life. Like, don't buy. I am like, for if they ever listen to this, <laughs> I do want free fancy cake. Like, honestly, like we can work out something. Like, we're trying to be an affiliate. Deal. Yeah, it's a sponsorship deal. Like, free advertisement <laughs> for a lifetime fancy cakes. I am okay with that. That's probably the only company I would do that for. But yeah, so Liz, are you gonna start a podcast after this? She's like, no. No. <laughs> you should honestly. That'd be dope. Like just to hear like nurse just like nurses and like go what goes on at healthcare. I don't know if there's like a podcast out there, but that'd be actually kind of dope. I'm sure there is. Uh it's just uh you gotta know, be careful you... with what you say. True that, true that. Because it'll follow you around. So Well, like say like they say like you want to retire in 10 years or whatever. Well, probably not because you kind of want oh, yeah, to definitely. practice. But like, say like after you retire and all that, you should probably start one. Yeah, that would like, be dope. Call out all their flaws. Oh, damn. Okay. She, she, she wants smoke. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, every system has its flaws. So. All right. So am I invited to the Brazil trip or no? Yeah. This is totally out to. Okay, cool. I'm about to hang out with me and my, me and my friends. 
Yeah, we got we got this big uh, Airbnb, so you know we're excited. Wow, you guys really be going on trips and stuff. Yeah, I'm so excited. I got a group of women that want to travel and that are good people, and we're all just rooting for each other. And honestly, it feels amazing to have that. That's good. That's good that you have friends. You know. I yeah. Wonder yeah. How, I I wonder how that's like. You know, my friends don't ever want to go on vacation with me and everything. They don't even invite me nowhere. It's so sad. No, it's kidding. Oh, but so <laughs> I'm trying to get people to feel bad for you. Yeah, I'm trying to. Hopefully, somebody does. I I hope they don't buy it. Uh, they should, because my friends don't like me. They just put up with me. That's that's the fact. No, it's kidding. But um, what do you got going on tonight? You about to go clubbing? Uh, no, we're still in the pandemic. <laughs> I mean, people be. So nobody goes cup. I swear, there's a whole Super Bowl thing like for a look outside right now. Everybody, no, I know. Right uh, no, I'm probably I'm well, not climbing. Um, what? Yeah. Did you have Mr. Campbell as a teacher in high school? No, I was only there for two years. Didn't he teach like? He taught freshman. He taught everything. He taught freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. No, I didn't. Mr. I had Campbell. Eric Boyer. He was a science teacher. No, he was a, a history teacher. AP World. Why did? Huh? What the fuck is this? Oh, my bad. Oh, did you hear that? No. <laughs> no, something was going on with this thing. Um, but yeah, I'll talk to you. Thank you for coming on our podcast. I appreciate it. You spent like an hour of your life talking to me appreciate the time you know yeah you know you're so busy now it's hard to talk to you so i had to get it where i could i'm not busy i'd be <laughs> doing this i'd be honestly this is what i do i work and i go play basketball and i hang out with my nephew that's about pretty much it you know how you and play basketball know. every day and you're still trash she really she really wants to have like i'm trash at basketball that's the funny thing about it yeah but, uh, Deontay's probably going to dunk on you. Deontay. Like, Deontay, Deontay is good, but he's not dunk on me. Deontay's a great basketball player. That's my guy. Me and him, the one-two punch. But no, nobody's dunking on me. Still have yet to happen. You don't think Darius would? Okay, first of all, this, uh, first of all we just got to go. First of all. First of all, actually, I was just playing with him. He's not that bad. He improved. He's nowhere close he to me. Yeah, I hope so. Though. He's still playing at Sheridan University. I think Sheridan's actually closed down when I went there. It was closed. Oh, shit. Yeah. So now it's just like the YMCA. Damn, that sucks. I wonder why it closed. You should reopen it. No, I'm good. You I can make it uh, Wayne Ayers University. 